what you're expecting expecting of people when they show up in a zoom classroom like that is like the tension that we talk about like should it just be like fun and like nonchalant or should it be really focused and like you know with tasks at hand and i think that like also depends on the age but yeah that's what we've been talking a lot about what is the purpose of like a zoom the time spent in zoom i'm getting a lot of messaging where it's like every time i talk to someone i have to tell them how I'm doing. I have to be like, well, this is how I'm coping with the quarantine. And this is how, nope, I don't know anyone who's sick. Or yes, I do know people who are sick. Or like, uh, these are the number of walks I've been on this week. I think there's just kind of like this, this expectation to like make space for check-ins, but then that, but it, that can like kind of like be a burden. And in some ways this has turned out to be a perfect opportunity for me to step into that and say, okay, so what's it like for you to really own your own learning, Eli, and really own it and document that owning as a case for what students can do? Like, why do we as teachers need to be driving students learning? Why can't we let them drive and sit alongside them and help navigate? Welcome to the Learners and Teachers podcast. I'm Karin Loda. Today, I speak with Jackie James, Kelsey Gujak, and Eli Whitkin, three students in the Learning and Teaching Program at the Harper Graduate School of Education. We talk about the challenges, opportunities, and unexpected surprises of learning during the COVID-19 health crisis. Let's get into our conversation. Hi, all. Welcome to a special edition of the Learners and Teachers podcast, where we're going to explore what it's like to learn during the COVID-19 crisis. Um, joining me are three graduate students from um, Harvard Graduate Education in the Learning and Teaching Program. First, we have Jackie James. Jackie, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Then we have Kelsey Gujak. Kelsey, how Hi, are you? Hi, I'm doing pretty good. And we've got Eli Witkin, who's coming to us from outside his house. How you doing? Uh, the three of us, um, the four of us, I should say, have all been in the same program and have had the experience of getting to be in physical proximity, but are now separated. One of the many, many outcomes of this um, crisis and how it's affected learning. And, you know, we're going to be taking mostly a graduate student lens today since that's what all of us are. But it might allow us to explore some of the tensions that um, other educators have been dealing with as well, as well as students. Um, in particular, we want to take the student lens today because so many podcasts and other coverage to focus on what educators have been dealing with. Um, I thought it'd be great to hear from this community and learn what it's, like been for, what it's been like for students. Um, so for all three of you, what I want you to start by thinking about is, um, let's go back to March 10th, uh, which is only about a month ago, but I'm sure it seems like so much longer. Um, when we first got the email about our classes moving online uh, for the remainder of the semester. Um, Jackie, I'll start with you. Um, what were your initial reactions and, and thoughts or what was that experience like for you, if you remember? Yeah, I do remember reading it in the morning and just thinking that it wasn't real. Um, I think that just that was a way for me to just like not panic. Like in order for me to not panic, I had to just say like, this isn't really happening or this is only going to happen for like one week or two weeks because I, people all over campus had already kind of started like realizing this was going to happen and like panicking some. So I was just like taking the road of denial. Hmm. Yeah. Denial is certainly a strategy. I think I have leaned on it at times as well. 
Um, Kelsey, how about you? What do you remember about that day or that week? Um, I remember thinking like, well, at least we don't have to like leave like the undergrads do. I mean, they're going to keep the libraries open and public spaces. So it won't be that bad. Like I'll meet up with people at the libraries and like we'll do virtual classes, but I'll still be in community with people. And I remember like making plans for coffee dates after spring break with people like, yeah, it'll be remote learning, but like we'll still be around and it won't be that bad. And then of course, like I left for spring break and came home early from my trip because it got like ex day by day, it just seemed to get exponentially worse. Yeah, that slow realization of just how real things would be like libraries closing, classroom buildings closing, people leaving and moving back. It it did kind of unfold, uh, like you said, slowly and yet somehow exponentially. Mm -hmm. um, Eli, what do you what do you connect with in that experience? Um, I think there were ways in which I tried really hard to plan ahead, like early on when they said the libraries were going to stay open, I like for some reason didn't believe them so I went and pre-printed all of my syllabuses for all my classes um mm -hmm. so I was like I a little bit went into like survivalist mode where I was like okay worst case scenario what am I gonna need to do in order to salvage as much as my learning as possible in a way that will continue to be beneficial for me um and that was a little sad I think it came with like I don't think I mourned or got to say goodbye because I was preparing mm -hmm. yeah that idea of morning is interesting i um i remember leaving gutman on the thursday before spring break gutman library and kind of spinning around as i walked out and like looking back and i was like just in case you know i'm not going to be back here and it it felt like a half gesture like i don't really think that's likely but it's possible and you know, I mean, I, I hope to go back in that building someday, but it probably won't be as a student. Um, and uh, yeah, morning felt weird because you just even now I feel like I don't really know what that future looks like. Um, and so I guess when, on that theme, um, you know, I wanted to check in with you guys to see what's felt like the maybe the toughest part of this transition, whether it's really just learning itself, whether it's related to sort of health or safety or movement to a new place. Um, any thoughts on that? Um, Jackie, go back to you first. Um, I don't know if this is, if your question is asking specifically about what's been the toughest aspect as a student, but I am gonna like answer it that way. I think that um, just having campus be closed and like moving all cl the classes um, to Zoom has forced a sort of like uh, like priority check on me. And I think like everyone is experiencing priority checks in all aspects of their life. But I think like it dawned on me pretty quickly that if I wanted to just phone it in for the rest of the year, I could. Like I, I feel like I could get away with doing very, very little and not really being um, like, emotionally invested in my learning anymore. Just given that I think, because I think that a lot of my professors are are being generous and are showing a lot of grace and trying to like support people who maybe just don't have the like the energy 
to commit in that way. So for me, but for me, I, I then was forced to decide, okay, well, what do I care about? And if I say that I care about it, I have to really work. And there's not going to be any sort of like social situation that, that forces me to do that. It, it's just going to have to come intrinsically from me. So I think that has been the most challenge, the most challenging aspect, but also has been rewarding in a lot of ways because I discovered that I actually care about a lot of things. So that was actually, so that was a bit of a relief that I was like, okay, I really do care about what I'm learning. And, uh, and I can take myself seriously when I'm forced to, I guess. Yeah, motivation is certainly something I think, um, whether you're a student or an employee of some kind, or, or unfortunately, neither of those at this point, can be something that's really difficult, maybe even as a parent, um, for some people. Um, Kelsey, or Eli, can you connect to, to that theme of motivation? Um, yeah, I mean, I think your question was like, what the hardest thing has been. Um, and like, this was a year where I just felt like I was thinking about me. It was like investment in myself and just doing things to like, it's like an intellectual spa this year. That's what it has felt like. Um, and now all of a sudden, like, I can't just like do what I want to do when I want to do it because I'm like now living in close proximity um, with, with people like I'm living in, um, my boyfriend's parents' home. And so there's like a new balance that I can't just like stay up as late as I want or, you know, stay late at the library because I'm like in the work zone. Like I'm forced to have more of a work-life balance now, um, which has been, I've like, I think I figured out that balance, but the first couple of weeks, it was just so hard um, to feel accountable to people in a way that I hadn't had to. Um, but to your thing of motivation, that's also that forced like balance now has like made me, I've been motivated in that like, okay, I have like a three hour block. Um, I'm going to be working from nine to noon and I'm going to like get what I said I was going to get done. I'm going to get it done. And if it's not done in that time, like that's the best I can do because I'm going to go take a walk at noon with somebody. Um which before I didn't have that. I could stay at the library all day just working on stuff. And I can't really do that anymore. Um, so yeah, that's been like a new, a new balance, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just, I wasn't, wasn't expecting that, you know? I was really enjoying just doing what I wanted when I wanted. And we can't do that anymore. Yeah. Freedom can often, as a graduate student in general, can feel like both freedom, uh, can feel like both tyranny and opportunity, depending on the situation. And I, I guess it's adapting to the new tyranny and opportunity um, of this situation. Um, and Eli, one of the things I was thinking about with you regarding adapting is I know you had a project this year to spend more time observing in schools, which is certainly something you can't do now. And I, I wonder if that's been a tough transition for you in addition to anything else. Yeah, I think um, so. My, I think the mainstay of my semester this semester is going to be an independent study where I got to go uh, and we were setting up 
visits to schools all over the Boston area, uh, visiting the plethora of different institutions that are thinking about learning and teaching in different ways as a way of seeing the wider landscape. And that just ended. Uh, it just like wasn't a thing anymore. So I had to totally, and I think I had a very similar experience to what Jackie said of like, my professors have been really accommodating. It's kind of like, okay, so what do you want to do with this now? Um, and I think I really could have walked and just, just said, well, what I wanted to do didn't happen. I'm just going to read a little and like, I'll write an essay and that'll be enough. Um, and I've had to make a serious pivot. I decided I really wanted to learn um, and tried to make a serious pivot into trying to show a little bit. Instead of just tell, I've been trying to show my learning through documenting projects that I'm doing um, and documenting the type of learning that I've done. And there's a way in which actually, like, I think my studies have been really constructivist in terms of thinking about how can we have education? How can we have our students really be driving their own learning? And in some ways, this has turned out to be a perfect opportunity for me to step into that and say, okay, so what's it like for you to really own your own learning, Eli, and really own it and document that owning as a case for what students can do? Like, why do we as teachers need to be driving students learning why can't we let them drive and sit alongside them and help navigate um so i'm trying to i'm trying to see it as an opportunity like you know from little creates opportunity for something yeah absolutely unexpected opportunities i think are a big part of um how all of us are probably adapting and coping um Jackie or Kelsey, have you found any unexpected opportunities or benefits um, beyond, you know, Kelsey, what you were mentioning about New Balance? You know, I'm hesitant to frame anything as wholly, uh, like, wholly an opportunity or wholly, um, like, a sacrifice. I, because I think that it's just, it's just so complicated. Like what, like, what are the optimal conditions for learning? I think just that that's just like a never ending. There are never ending answers to that question. But I think like something that I have enjoyed, but I'm not, I'm not totally certain that this is necessarily like helping me learn more effectively, but it is something that I am curious about and enjoying is like is that I have a lot more like physical freedom, virtual learning. Like I could, you know, like sometimes I have class outside or I'll move from room to room so I can get like the better lighting that I want. Or like right now, like I'm like on my couch and I find that a lot of people are like eating during class and like stretching and I so I think there is like there is like a kind of like physical comfort that I'm enjoying about uh about virtual class um but I don't know and I think in some ways it helps me like sometimes it helps me focus or it helps me like be excited about class or like be more curious but in other ways I think sometimes it is a way for me to not necessarily be all in on like what's going on in my 
on the screen. So I think, yeah, but I think that right now it's definitely something that I think is fascinating. I will leave it at that. I think it's fascinating. Hmm. Um, I think as I've been doing my final projects, they most, I'm in three classes right now and they've all been changed and, and they've been changed in response to what's happening. So that to me feels important that I'm like applying this knowledge that I've learned to like th the real world. And I think before our projects applied to the real world, but now it's like in a more dramatic way. Um, and so that's, I, I don't know if that's like a positive thing, but it certainly is like, it's been motivating for me to be able to like, think about what I've been learning and come up with projects that are responding to anticipated changes in education. Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. It, it feels important. I think it's been hard, like so many people to feel like, I'm not an essential worker. And so like what I can do is like stay home and that like, we all want to help, right? We all, I want to help. I want to do something and there's not much I can do. So to, to feel like the work that I'm doing for my finals, like is helping the world somehow or might help the world when I go back to teaching, that's been comforting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really connecting this idea of like, what's an essential worker, you know, um, yeah. I think when I first thought about this transition, and even before I left um, for our spring break, and we were learning about having to go online, I was thinking about, okay, well, what would it be like for us to spend some of this time, like, you know, helping in the communities, and maybe, you know, the Office of Student Affairs at Harvard can help us all connect and volunteer together. And then I started to realize, okay, well, I can't volunteer with other people, or I can't even maybe be around other people. And now I'm trying to come to terms with this um, balance between trying to feel useful and productive and being okay with not being useful and productive as well. And I wonder if either of you or any of you have reflections on, on that of like either finding ways to be productive, like you've mentioned, Kelsey, in like new ways, or certainly thinking about like, okay, what is it like to just let yourself be okay with the fact that you have to be less productive, um, especially given what our, you know, capitalist society can often normalize us into doing or socialize us into doing. I've been thinking about it, um, that my job is to be a student right now and that how I'm going to be helpful, like how I'm being helpful, which is the same thing as being productive, which is this, like, is to just keep doing my job, which is to be a student um, and to learn as much as I can. Like I'm still in classes. I should still be taking care of this and learning as much as I can as, and, and with a part of that is um, with an eye towards being ready. I think there's a song by Rising Appalachia that I really love. It goes, I believe in being ready. And it's like, okay, so changes might come. Like what if, what if in the spring or in the fall, excuse me, uh, like school doesn't open in person again? Like how can I be ready to have thought and use this time that I have to like really be ready to facilitate a generation of students' education in a time of change? Like what can we be doing? What can I be doing to be ready for my profession uh, when the time comes that I'm called upon? 
I like your way of framing that, Eli. Yeah, being ready, right? This idea of like using this time to prepare in unexpected ways um, is certainly something that we can think about. Um, are there other ways that um, Kelsey or Jackie, you found yourself saying, okay, it's okay for me to either use this time to be productive in a new way, or perhaps, no, this is good that I now have this extra time to force myself to be quiet or to connect with nature or to connect with people or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I, so I like, at first I tried to do, like, I tried to sew face masks and I spent so long trying to fix a sewing machine and it didn't work like out, like probably 10 hours. I tried to donate blood because they need blood donations and all the slots are full in my area at the blood bank to donate blood. I, what else did I try to do? I tried to do something else and it like didn't work. Like the volunteer slots were full um, because it felt really important to me to like try to do something because I do have so much um, free time now. So I'm actually starting to, I'm going to start, I was volunteering in a kindergarten classroom in Cambridge and I'm obviously not doing that anymore, but now I'm going to start tutoring um, a high school student who's a, like studying to take the Massachusetts equivalent of the G GED. Um, and that starts this week. And I'm really curious. I've never tutored a high school student. So I'm like a little bit nervous, but also, you know, excited to, to see what, what that's like. Um, and I'm curious to see what online tutoring is like, like to Eli's point that this might be a reality moving. Well, you didn't say that. I thought it might be a reality moving forward that there's more virtual learning if there's if the pandemic, you know, comes back or whatever, like if there's more cases. Um, so I'm, I, as an educator, I'm like thinking about this, to teach online is something I kind of want to figure out what it's like. Um, and it feels important to like give back to the Cambridge community. So it's, it's an hour a week of my time. So I'm, that to me has felt important that I can, that I was able to find something that I can give back, even if it's just a little bit of my time. Because what I had tried to do earlier the past couple of weeks just wasn't working. Um, anyway, yeah, that's. Um, I think, yeah. well, so I have to just uh, say this. Um, Eli, I don't know if you're maybe like raking or something. <laughs> or, like, or like sweeping in earnest but uh, sweeping in earnest yeah. is a great way to define what I was doing <laughs> you know it was interesting I'm glad you brought it up Jackie I was like do I let this run do I just this is like podcasting in the era of everyone being at home it's like I figured it was Eli doing yard work but I'm like you know it's kind of soothing maybe distracting maybe all of the above but I Jackie I knew you were the one yeah, I mean, Oh God! I... <laughs> okay, Jackie, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take that invitation to say one thing, which is in terms of how this is affecting my learning, um, like what you said, like I can get up, I can go do this other thing. Is like uh, when I'm on the phone, I do so much better if I like yeah. I'm doing something, like I'll weed my garden, mm. or if I can if I can just like broom, I'm paying attention to you all more. Like the energy that my mind or brain would have been using to be feeling your energies or reading your body languages or like whatever the physical presence is 
my body wants that engagement still. And I've been finding that giving it something has actually been really helpful. And there's times when it tips into distracting and I'm only focusing on the body and not on like the intellectual uh, conversation that's going on. But um, so I appreciate you calling me out when it becomes distracting. And cause I also need to call it out for myself when it becomes distracting. And I found that uh, it's a thing that I'm dealing with and try to try to. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree, which is why I've, I've took me, I was really like conflicted because I just, the link between me telling you like, hey, you're sweeping and it's loud. And what I had just said about being physically free was like painfully obvious to me. And I'll say that I'm actually, I'm like filing my nails. So there is a thing, there's like a physical, <laughs> yeah, there is like learning does like still need to be embodied in some way, at least for me. Um, but back to Karin's question about like, uh, being like, how do you deal with like the pressure of like being productive or like, do you, like, or what have you done to like feel productive, I guess? Um, I think that I, Eli actually was the, Eli and Kelsey have both kind of like, uh, spoken about this, about how our time at HTSC was like immersive you know it's just a one year program where you get to be all in and that is really how I treated it I just like surrounded myself with people from HGSC and like spent all my time on campus and like tried really really hard for that to be my whole life um and now that I am in the virtual world I'm finding that it's gratifying to kind of like bring all my different worlds together. I think that um, I, feel, I feel really like rich in research. Eli, Can you say it one more time, Jackie? You say you feel rich in what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, That's fascinating because I didn't even, I was just twirling in circles. Like, I, I didn't even think I was making any noise. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sorry. Um, but let me just, let me just uh, spit it out. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> but, like, I feel like I still have so many resources because I am part of the Harvard community. So something that I've been trying to do is just like send out Zoom invitations to lectures that I think people in my life would like get a lot out of. Um, and also I have a lot of you know friends from kind of all over the country who I feel like are doing like awesome work and really like stepping up as activists. So just being able to kind of like share that information or like participate in whatever action they're doing um, has been really great. And then also just kind of like making my learning more integrated with my family life too has felt like has felt mm -hmm. fruitful fruitful like i live with my mom and we just spend so much time talking now and we also and we spend so much time you know 
calling our loved ones because that just seems to be the thing that you do in times of crisis. And it has been, I feel like a little bit of a, like a melding of all my lot of all my like dimensions of my life coming together online. And it doesn't feel totally, it's not as gratifying as it would be if we were in person, but that kind of synthesis is, um, has been rewarding. Hmm. Yeah, there's something about learning in context. I, I like kind of the way you were thinking about that, you know, like all three of you touched on this immersive focusing on yourself. And I too felt like, yeah, I, I've removed myself from where I was. I moved from California to Cambridge and like was, you know, far away from a lot of my friends and family and was just so focused on myself. And now I'm doing it all in context, both because of physically moving to California again, but also because of what's happening in the world. I want to place mm. everything in context as much as possible. Um, and I think that's something that um, also the three of you have touched on. We might have to think about for those of us who go back to classrooms um, and go back to teaching. You know, all of us have had experience as teachers um, and many of us will probably be returning to that type of role somewhere in a school. And I wonder if, um, you know, either based on what we've talked about so far or maybe seeing things your professors are doing that you like or don't like, if you have any takeaways for people who are teaching right now or for yourself as a teacher when you go back to the classroom that you wish they knew about what it's like to be a student right now. Mm -hmm. Eli, let's start with you. There's, I feel like I have some professors who, who kind of took the, the stance of, all right, we're going to do what we normally did and we're going to be on Zoom and we're going to like, and there was something very comforting in the, in the like, hey, we know we've been doing this. We know what we're doing. It's going to change modalities a little bit, but we're, we're going to keep doing it. And this is how it's happening. Um, and there's also with that comfort comes this kind of like, ah, you're not really recognizing how different this is. And the, the lack of adaptation is noticeable and at the same time comforting. And, uh, and then I have, think of other professors who have really noted it and are really like openly grappling with students in real time of how do we make this experience the best it can be. Um, and that's really nice too, because it gives some agency and is actually openly struggling with how to be. And at the same time is exhausting and tiring. Um, and feels like it has become in place of whatever the content was from beforehand. Uh, and so that, that wasn't really to give an answer to your question. Um, but as always with educators, I think, I think my, my, my plea would be to be aware of the path that we're choosing and uh, both the, the positives and the negatives that it comes with and to try to be open with our students about them. Yeah. I um I'm in a writing class and the prof it's a small class which I think makes this journey so much easier. It's like 15 of us. And she did a survey. She every week she does a survey of like how did it go? What do we like? What don't we like? And she's been really responsive to what we've said. So like everybody complained about the posts that we have to do on Canvas you know, the discussion posts. And so she like immediately got rid of the discussion board. She's like, oh, if you don't like this, we're not gonna do this. Um, she pre-records her lectures. So 
you can watch it on your own time. You have to do it before the Zoom session, but it cuts down on like our Zoom class time so that like we really are just meeting to talk about the content and we share writing with each other. But yeah, she listened to what we said and what we asked for, which makes it like when we do have that Zoom like in-person time, it's like sweet and short and it's to the point. Um, which I've really appreciated. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I like. I, I those discussion posts were so hard to write, especially with like, I don't know, it's so much screen time. Just as Eli said, to like show up for these Zoom classes. So so to like whatever they could take away of like mm. computer time, screen time, I've really appreciated. Mm. Um, yeah. My partner is a middle school teacher and I've been watching him like navigate this, which has been fascinating as like, I'm a student and he's a teacher and obviously he's teaching a different grade, but to watch him as a teacher sort of like work through what works and doesn't work has been, um, has been interesting because <laughs> I've like given him advice, but he hasn't it hasn't been solicited advice. So. <laughs> We've had a lot of back and forth of like what we think successful online learning should look like. Mm. So I think like what you're expecting expecting of people when they show up in a Zoom classroom, like that is like the tension that we talk about. Like, should it just be like fun and like nonchalant or should it be really focused and like, you know, with tasks at hand? And I think that like also depends on the age, but yeah, that's what we've been talking a lot about. What is the purpose of like a Zoom, the time spent in Zoom? Yeah, I feel like you're hitting on um, like this aspect of like community building that I think it's really complicated, that I think is an essential aspect of running a class, but is complicated um, online where, I think that like when you're in the same room, it makes sense to kind of to to have some norms about like how we're gonna behave and like how we're gonna like share the physical space together. But then virtually, because everyone is has such different like living conditions, I don't think that 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 kind of like norm setting necessarily applies. I think that like the classes that I have enjoyed the most or the teachers that I have admired the most are the ones who have been able to say explicitly, like, this is different. Um, we are like still a community, but this is hard. And then I think, and who have like created space for like some intentional culture building, but not, but haven't gone over the top with it. I think just like, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is because we go to an ed school and I think ed schools tend to be pretty like lovey-dovey. And I, or I also don't know if this is just because I'm attracted to, to courses that can be pretty lovey-dovey. But I think that I'm getting a lot of messaging where it's like every time I talk to someone, I have to tell them how I'm doing. 
I have to be like, well, this is how I'm coping with the quarantine. And this is how, nope, I don't know anyone who's sick. Or yes, I do know people who are sick. Or like, uh, these are the number of walks I've been on this week. I think that it's just kind of like this, this expectation <laughs> to like make space for check-ins, but then that, but it, that can like kind of like be a burden uh, when it's just done all the time. So I think that for, if I were to give advice to any teacher, I would say like, make space for the check-in. Like that is essential, but like minimal, like minimal space. I think that's just like, or at least, or have it be a kind of like challenge by choice where it's like someone may not want to like be sent out into a, into a break room and like have a five minute debrief with a classmate, you know, like they think that's like, I think it has to be a bit of a challenge by choice in this situation. Mm. That's such a good point. I want to say it, it's dawning on me just listening to this conversation that we're having that in some very distinct ways, this conversation around, Kelsey, I think you said, how to create the ideal online learning environment or online learning classroom or something like that. It's actually in some mm -hmm. very similar ways in deep ways, mm -hmm. just the same conversation we're having about classrooms. What's the like, and we all have our different ideologies and we all have our different practice problems and where we're at. And we, we work within institutions that have their own environments and problems and things that they do well. And uh, in some ways we're just asking the same questions. Which totally, totally. Is I think it's honestly shocking how similar things are rather than how different they are. It's my experience, at least. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still using wait time, even even in the online space, to see what else comes out. And you know, I think that's uh, that's been what I mean. Even after you know having been going through this myself and doing the sometimes forced check-ins that Jackie mentioned with other students and hearing their experiences, I feel like hearing the four of us talking together and and listening to each other and and responding to each other also just shows me what like what Eli was just referring to, which is it is just an evolving process and, and we don't have the answers. And um, why I really enjoyed this conversation is I think there's so many podcasts out there coming from ed schools or just teachers that are like, here's what I'm doing that's really successful and not enough that are like, here's what I'm failing at or here's what my students are telling me we're messing up at. And I, and I hope this comes across as an invitation for continuing that conversation with our students, wherever they might be, because I think they can only represent on any given day or week or even hour what they're feeling. And I think to, to all of your points, we just need to be responsive and asking those questions constantly as things change every day and every week.